Welcome to CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care. I'm Wolfgang Vashon. Today is a super exciting conversation for me as it announces the next stage of my PhD. So for the past four years or so, I've been working on a research projects titled Tuning into CYC, an audio drama inquiry with child and youth care practitioners who have lived in residential care. So just this week, as this podcast is launched, we have launched the website and posted our first audio drama series called Refiled. And you can find them at tuningintocyc.org. That's T-U-N-I-N-G-I-N-T-O-C-Y-C.org. Tuning into cyc.org. And I'll also post a link in the show notes for this episode. So today, I have the pleasure of speaking with two people who were part of creating Refiled, Kristen Bonikowski and Shannon Cherry. Today, coincidentally, also happens to be the day, today, May 14th, the day we're recording, is Ontario Youth in Care Day. So happy Youth in Care Day, everyone on this call and everyone listening. And maybe we can all work towards ensuring that every young person in care has as many happy, happy days as possible, which isn't always the case. Chris, Shannon, thank you both so, so much for joining me today. And thank you for helping me make my PhD happen. Thank you for having us. Yes. I want to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. <laughs> Youth in Care Day. I know we had all these great questions planned out. Youth in Care Day, making young people happy. Any thoughts? What what would what what would make young people in care happy? What would have brought joy to you? Um, any thoughts on that? I'm probably gonna come back to this a bit towards the end, but generally I guess what I have to say is just listen to our stories, listen to the stories of young people and stop deciding things for them. Listen to their needs and do what you can to meet those needs. Oh, I love that, Chris. That's great. Shannon, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, when I think of happy, I think of celebrations and, and joyful events and, and how sometimes when you're in care, those things are, don't exist the same way. So I think really making space that's special for young people to really celebrate who they are and how they wish to sort of be would be really fun. Nice. Now we can go back to our regularly scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe before we talk about what Refiled is, I wondered if each of you could introduce yourself, locate yourself, who your character is in the story Refiled. Yeah, let's start there. Who you are, how you want to introduce yourself, particularly think about you as a child and youth care practitioner and your, your role in Refiled. And let's start with Chris. Yeah, of course. So my name is Chris. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a recent graduate from the Child and Youth Care Diploma Program at Humber College in Toronto. And I have lived experience as a former youth in care navigating residential and mental health services. And I also played the character Phoenix in Refiled. Thanks, Chris. Shannon. Yeah. I'm Shannon, Shannon Cherry. I am approaching the last moments of completing my master's in child and youth care. 
I have been a child and youth care practitioner for nearly two decades. I currently work in a school board as a school-based CYC for high school students. And I play Cerise, who I, I think is pretty much just me in this podcast. So I don't think I'm playing a character. I think I am instead just playing myself, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. Yes. Cerise, I wonder where that name came from. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Just very, very quickly, what's your master's research in, Shannon? I'm focusing on youth in care leadership, specifically in education, but in general, just the adult, my, my role, the adult's role in supporting young people in their leadership endeavors. Thanks. Well, we'll, we'll have to bring you back if you're willing and have a conversation about that research project at another point in time. Always willing. <laughs> Thank you. So what is refiled? How would one or the other or both of you, how would you define refiled story or the concept? I mean, I'd say in the simplest of terms, it's the first season of tuning into CYC, basically just an audio drama inquiry with child and youth care practitioners with lived experience in residential care. But I mean, it's, it's so much more than that. And I'm still to this day, like, what even are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Shannon, what is it that we're doing? I think we're just really challenging in a lovely, holistic way for listeners and other child youth care practitioners to really critically consider their roles in creating, keeping, disseminating, and understanding the files that they keep of young people. Why is that important? Why do we care about the files that people keep? I think one of the things that we, we found in, in, uh, in this collaboration is that many of us, you know, 10, 15, even 20 years later, we're still haunted by their files. A memory of the experience of reading our files has really stuck with us. And, uh, and I think that it, you know, it'd be really great if, if the people who wrote our files considered how that might affect us, you know, years and years later. That's why that's so important. Chris, again, we're going off script here. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can decline, of course, always. You are in the process of looking at your, your files in a much more recent time frame than, than Shannon was talking about. Yes, Any, I am. If you are. <laughs> anything you want to share or you're willing to share about that? It's a whole ongoing process. I mean, I will go through periods where for maybe four days straight, I can't put the files down. I'm reading them word for word, having dreams about them. I'm thinking about them while I'm doing my daily activities. And then I go through periods where I'm just like, cannot think about it, you know, put that on the back burner for now. But it's just so interesting because I mean, a lot of the files they make decisions for you. Like the things that people write about you, they hold so much weight in your experiences when you're in care. But now reading that, a lot of it is just, it's made up. It's not true. So yeah, it's just basically I'm learning to like reclaim my past mm. through reading these files. Mm. Yeah. Is there any sense of understanding, understanding about, about your experiences, how staff interacted with you, decisions that were made, that are now evident to you that weren't evident or apparent to you previously? To well, I, the files? 
I think like when you're living those experiences as they're happening, it feels like, you know, the whole world is against you and whatnot, but now reading it, you can kind of see their perspective and kind of like where they're, the person who was writing those files, where their mindset was at. So it almost, you can almost empathize with them in a way, but yeah, I don't know. It's a bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's super intriguing, this idea of, of empathizing, um, of course. Like both. who would have thought, right? <laughs> who would have thought? Yeah. And part of the reason it's intriguing to me is that both of you are now child and youth care practitioners, right? So both mm-hmm. of you are working in the field or, or are finishing up studying. And so you're navigating these questions around files, accountability, decision-making, the pressures of those sorts of things. Yeah, I find myself putting myself in the shoes of those people and wondering, well, what would I have written in this situation? Probably something completely different, but also who knows, right? Who knows what was going on in their mind? Interesting that you you say that. Sorry, I just jumped in. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please, Shannon. Um, because the majority of people who wrote my files were social workers, and I actually don't empathize a, even a little bit. I, I felt like the the way that people were writing were coming from a really privileged space, right? You know, these are generally people who had a master's in, in social work, and I, I never felt like there was any sort of understanding of who I was at all. Mm-hmm. And Shannon, how does that influence how you engage with files as a as a professional as a practitioner without getting yourself into any trouble here Shannon (laughs) well I don't mind getting myself into trouble because I think that might offer an opportunity to explore these ideas further on a on a bigger level but I actually very intentionally keep as little files as I possibly can some cases I keep zero files I, I actually don't see a huge reason to keep files on young people. And I I mean, I think there might be some context where they're important, you know, maybe around medication or, you know, phone numbers and things that are, you know, really important to keep track of. But when it comes to my interactions with young people, I I don't know why I would take notes on that. I think that no situation out of care is there a caregiver offering or taking notes on young people so, so formally. I just don't, I just don't like it and I don't do it. And do you ever have conversations with the young people about that decision about using files, not using files, recording files, reading files, anything like that? Yeah, I, I, um, I have to say that many of the young people I encounter with are not even aware of files or, or understanding of files from the very beginning. And so my first point of conversation around that is actually just educating them on the types of files that we keep in the education system and, and their access to those files and, and how they should assert themselves in those spaces because it's not information that we really share with young people. And then if I ever have to keep a file on anything, I mean, I really haven't found anything I really need to keep track of, but should I, I absolutely would share that experience with the young person. Like, what do we want to put in your file? Are you okay with this? What do you need removed from here? Is this the right tone? And I think that's really important because it's not my file. Like I'm, it's not my file. I'm not writing this file like it's the young person's file. They should have complete control over it. And to add on to that, I completely agree. I feel like personally, a lot of what I read from my files said more about the people writing the files than they did about me. It's, it's so impersonal, but personal at the same time. It's very passive aggressive, the language mm-hmm. used. And it really says more about their opinions and their beliefs and whatnot than me and how I was as a young person. That's fascinating, this, this idea that files are ostensibly to document 
you know, young people and in, in, in the system, yet maybe what it's really documenting is are, are, are the workers in the system. <laughs> there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a more truthful documentation yeah. of the people creating the files than the young person writing the files or one person being written about in the files. Mm -hmm. I find that to be really the case with these ABC logs, right? I think that they're written so after their history. Quickly, quickly, what are ABC logs? The antecedent behavior and consequence. I think I've got that right. It's been a while since I've written one of those intentionally. <laughs> and I mean, I think their, their goal originally was to track consistencies and behaviors and use that information, that data, in order to come up with strategies to really support young people. So theoretically, this, this has some validity. However, I noticed that, you know, these, these ABC logs are written really after a situation that has occurred where a behavior has been identified. And again, it's usually someone where, who, who has an opinion about that behavior that's now identifying that behavior. And I think they just become this vent session, you know, red logs where staff are indicating all the, you know, all the swear words that have been sent their way and, you know, how the child was being oppositional and, and was non-compliant. This <laughs> is sorry, I'm laughing. It's just the most absurd thing, like, you know, that, that we have the right to demand compliance. And when it's not happening, we write about it in this like vent situation. And I, I think that it's just the way it's been set up is naturally occurring. Like you, okay, this, this has occurred. And now you have to write an ABC log you know, 20 minutes after, you don't even have a time as a, and as an adult to digest what has happened and come at it from a therapeutic perspective. And so you've got, you know, a hundred logs of, of behaviors of a kid telling you to fuck off, which is just absurd to me. So I teach how to write ABC logs, ABC charts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I talk about uh, files and, and I'm going to make this, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to suggest this as, as listening for everybody. Right after I teach the course on ABC logs, I'm going to say, now go listen to Shannon and Chris talk about why you should ignore what I'm teaching you. Because, because, because I think that your, your, your points are, are excellent. Let me sort of extend this conversation. What do we learn in this type of research? Why, why were you interested in engaging in this type of research about being practitioners from care? What was your interest and what do we learn from these sorts of projects? So for me, when I first heard about this research project, I was in my first semester of the CYC program and I was living in Toronto alone for the first time. And I was finding it difficult to connect with some of my peers in the program because my experiences that brought me to that point were so different from theirs. And I really wanted to find more like-minded individuals. So when one of my professors told me about this research project, I was instantly drawn because you know I wanted to find ways to use my lived experience in the field. And also because the idea of an arts-based audio drama terrified me. So of course I felt the need to run towards my fears. <laughs> Good for you. I'm thrilled that you ran towards your fears. So for me, I, I had decided prior to taking my master's that, you know, one of the goals within my master's was to really step into my lived experience as part of my identity and, and sort of explore where that ever took, take, takes me. And I had some ideas of what that would look like. And of course, it has changed many times over. And I think part of that has been through the participation of this, of this research. I think it has inspired me to, to think about ways of, 
of being a child needs care practitioners from care that, that might have meaningful impact on, on larger spaces, which was always my goal to trans, kind of transform myself from this frontline identity to like this, you know, larger, larger space. And um, I was, so I was really excited to engage in discourse around being from care and being a child needs care practitioner. And this sort of, through my conversations with people, someone's like, hey, Wolfgang Vishan, have you heard of him? I'm like, no, um, he's doing this like, <laughs> he's doing this like really great thing and you should call him or email him. And then instantly I was like at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you raise a, a, a really intriguing question for me, Shannon. And, and that question is, what is a child and youth care practitioner from care is is there any anything that's that's different or or not? Yeah, what 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 is a child and youth care practitioner from care? I mean, I think it's it's everything and nothing all at once. I mean, it's depending on if you want to be a child and youth care practitioner from care. I think there's quite a few people who are child and youth care practitioners, and I think there are quite a few people that are just from care. And I think it's it it, it depends on how you want to use that, but. For me, it means sort of really showcasing or not showcasing, but but identifying myself as having care experience and helping reduce some of the stigma that young people feel and and even has, you know, youth and care alumni might feel. Um, I certainly have experienced sort of stigmatizing conversations and microaggressions as an adult when people find out I'm from care as if I don't fit into this sort of what from care looks like and and I think that that in itself is an important thing to to challenge and and really shake the world of people's preconceived notions of of what the trajectory for young people from care look like and also offer that understanding to the young people themselves right I mean if we if we put ourselves in positions as role models and we and young people can start to see that trajectory of success and and engagement and and a you know career that's fulfilling and those sort of ideas, I think that's a really powerful thing for young people. Well said. Anything you want to add to that, Chris? I, I know you're you just graduated like two weeks ago. <laughs> and, Yay! Yay. Um, and you're you're entering into you know the workplace. And so at this, you know, launching to the next stage of your career, how do you understand a child and youth care practitioner from from care? What what does that mean? I think it's so individualized based on kind of like Shannon, how you said there's, there's child and youth care practitioners and there's people from care. I think it depends on the individual person and, you know, how they choose to use that experience and how they want to move forward. I'm still learning every single day as I'm doing this. Yeah. And I feel like really, it's just, I'm learning to shift my identity from being, you know, a youth in care to then child and youth care practitioner. And now whatever comes next. You know, that, that idea of shifting the identity, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating to me. And I have my committee and I love my committee. So this is not giving my committee shade. So hopefully they forgive <laughs> me for saying this. They know that I'm working with practitioners and some of the practitioners that I have spoken with in this project are, are in their 60s. They still identify the people I'm working with as youth in care or youth from care. And some of them are older than I am. And I, as much as I wish it wasn't true, I am not a youth by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. Um, and so it's, it's fascinating to me how mm-hmm. 
we we really infantilize and we trap people in a particular identity. And I think what's really intriguing to me, you know, having worked with both of you and, and many other people on this project, is that navigation of identity. What does it mean? When are we CYCPs? When are we from care? When are we both? When are we neither? Like, what does that mean for all the people who participated in the project? And And so the question of what is child youth care practitioner, I like how you, you know, tease it apart and and see it as this this trajectory or, or progression and and something that yeah one one can claim more or less at different points in their in their careers it's so interesting that you say youth in care because i've corrected people a couple of times i mean i have got gray hair i'm not <laughs> twilight. you know i'm an adult i think i assert myself as as someone who's older very intentionally it's part of like my introductions, I'm like much older because I, I think I'm constantly reminding people that I have actually been an adult longer than I was a youth in care. And I remember that moment when that happened and it happened years ago. So I have been an adult longer, much longer than I have been a youth in care. Does it impact your work or your schooling, Chris? You know, how, how does it, how does having care experience I spoke to some people who said, mm -hmm. look, I didn't have any care experience. I have placement <laughs> experience, but my experience yeah. was a lot of care experience. How does it inform or, or impact or influence your, your work in, mm -hmm. in any tangible ways? Well, I think when you're studying child and youth care, whether you're you know, from care or not, you're inevitably going to grow on an individual level. The things you learn in school, they force you to, I guess, like confront your own past and your beliefs. And for a lot of students, this is really challenging. I mean, I've seen, you see a lot of people in the first year of the program, they drop out. They're like, you know, this is too much. It's not really what I thought it would be. And so I think that being, you know, from care and navigating those systems, I think that it can make it slightly more challenging at times because you're learning about things that are so close to home and a lot of it you've already experienced firsthand. So, you know, of course it can be triggering at times, but that being said, I also feel like having that experience has helped me in school for the exact same reason. I mean, I already have so much knowledge and insight and I find myself like naturally falling into a leadership role in classroom settings because of it. A lot of people will turn to me and say, you know, hey, Chris, like you lived in XYZ agency or setting or whatever, like help me with this assignment that kind of has to do with that. So <laughs> any thoughts on that, Shannon? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting for me because I have tried to find a space where my identity of being from care works in my school-based work. And currently in the role that I'm in, it has no place. And so it's not a part of who I am and what I do. I think my, my learning has been that the young people from care who are in educational settings are, are generally not in traditional spaces of education. And if they are, they're not identifying themselves and for good reason, probably, and that's totally their right to do so. So there is, there is no reason for me to engage it yet on a professional level, although I keep trying to push for those sort of spaces to exist. But of course, in my entire education system, like not system, my entire educational experience as taking my master's has been totally centered around being from care. Every, every opportunity I could explore it from a different angle, I did. And both from my own personal understanding, but also to start, start filling some of the gaps in the academic literature that exists. So as we move towards ending our, our conversation here, I would like to 
promote <laughs> refi <laughs> a little bit. And so as part of that, that promotion, whether they're child and youth care practitioners, whether they're young people from the social service system, whether they're social workers, whether they're foster parents or whomever, and maybe this answer is different for each of these, these groups, why do you think that they should take the time to listen to these nine short 12 to 15 minute long episodes? I mean, there's amazing acting, obviously. There is amazing acting. <laughs> I think we have the unique and incredibly valuable experience of being on the receiving end of these practices and these policies. And while we don't necessarily share the same experiences, we we have so much insight on, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And something we've often talked about is how being from care is a superpower. And I completely full-heartedly agree with that. And I think a lot of that is represented in this season. Yeah, I, I think that refiled something that fills a gap in sort of the academic literature or academic space. I don't know what one calls this literature. No, of course not. Um, I, think it, I think it fills some major gap. I think what's really, really phenomenal about this series is that it encourages people to really, really consider their position on creating files, but just in general, I think interacting with young people and, and what the goals are around that. And I mean, it's just also super well done. Like hats off to you, Wolfgang. This is just like Chris and I and a few other were, were a part of this from the beginning and, and we watched it sort of transform many, many times shift, if you will, as we are considering this theme right now. Um, and, and each time I got to explore it, I found new meaning in it, both personally, but also professionally. And, and it's entertaining and, and insightful. And it's a meaningful piece. Like I, I feel very attached to it and, and with a lot of my own personal pride to be a participant of this experience. I'd also say that accountability is a huge part of what is talked about. Like throughout the episodes you hear Revel talk about moments in their practice that they feel shameful about and they wish mm -hmm. that they could, could have done differently. And I really hope that the people listening can be reminded, like, it's so important to take accountability in your practice and commit to changing because, you know, we've all done things that we aren't proud of, or you've witnessed things that, you know, don't work. And, you know, you need to gain the courage to confront yourself and others to do better. Yeah. Well said, Chris. Very well said. Thank you both. And I want to say right back at both of you, I, I didn't know what this project was going to be when I started. I can't imagine it without both of you and everybody else who was part of this project. I can't imagine what it would be. It would be very different. I'm sure it'd be wonderful, except I know that what each of you brought along with everybody else was just so integral. And I'm super, super happy with the results and, and um, I'm so grateful. Shannon, Chris, thank you so much for having the conversation with me today, for spending the last two years working with me on this project, and for the next 30 years that we will know each other in, yes. uh, in this field. Wow. Thank you so much. It honestly has been a privilege to be a part of this, and I'm really looking forward to whatever comes next. Happy Youth and Care Day. <laughs>